It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter. Two mics, two crusty vets, two opinions, one based in reality and one based in what do you bet on Twitter? With music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks. Here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett. And with me, as per usual, we bring you Aaron Flottam. Hi, John. What's going on, man? Oh, it's been a fantastic week. And Aaron, because it's been such a fantastic week, we, we've got backup this week. We have... I see... Uh, I- I see that there's a third window. Who's that right. person? Yep, friend of the podcast, Jim Widener joins us again. We have been too remiss in uh, in making sure we get him on here. <laughs> I so. got out of the witness protection program. They allowed me to get on the show now, <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah, it's completely my fault. Uh, I did actually. Uh, Aaron probably doesn't even know this, but I, I did call and set up one with Jim probably a month and a half ago, and then it totally spaced my mind. Um, as as we started recording and it when i got done I was like oh oh i told jim to call it today and i didn't call him at all what uh, a jerk i was just, <laughs> i felt the worst well, was terrible i and then i looked through some of my old direct messages like three weeks after you sent a message you and aaron sent a message asking me to be on and i never replied so it, it, <laughs> i apologize for that but uh, you know wasn't anything to get you back. I did spend no, 10 no. minutes waiting for your call, John, and it never, <laughs> never, never happened. Know, I'm sorry. It was like I was back in high school dating somebody again for the first time. I never got that second date, so well, it's, I, I get it. Well, but it's uh, great to be on the show with you guys again. I hope we're hot enough that you came back, obviously. so <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was ever the problem on the second dates with me, John, to be totally honest. <laughs> But, but just, but right. just like any, just just like any crazy date, sooner or later we'll call you back because we'll be desperate. <laughs> I, that's what it says on my business cards. Eventually yes. you'll call back. Eventually you'll call me back. I know you'll find me. I know you're looking. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us for another wonderful week of Wisconsin sports. This is actually just a very fantastic week, I think, in terms of what uh, Wisconsin sports has gifted us uh, since our last show. Uh, one thing I want to make sure everybody knows is you can first off follow this podcast at Scotty Johnny Pod. You can follow me if you would like to do so uh, at Not So Humble Host. And I know for a fact I want to get this one. Jim Widener is at Jim Widener fifty one. I have that down. W e i d n e r for Widener. In case you need to have that spelled. <laughs> I don't and have. If you live in Minnesota, it's Widener. Free people. <laughs> yeah. And Aaron, I know you have Twitter as well. Yes, John. I'm at Cheddar Talk. Just crossed the 500 followers uh, threshold. Ooh. Finally, I've been active over the last 48 hours, as one can imagine, uh, with the Vikings Packers um, <laughs> uh, contest, the tilt, if you will, that happened last night. And uh, uh, apparently people like what I have to say when it comes to ripping on Vikings fans. So there's that. It's been, um, Oh, yeah. and ripping on Vontez perfect as well. That, that got me oh, a couple well, Pittsburgh fans. Yeah. Too, he's, so. he's terrible. Yeah. There's, um, having three people here today who with, uh, Minnesota connections and Packer fandom. So let's get right on into it since we have a lot of things to talk about here in, in such a, a great week. So we'll get everything kicked off with what we like to call our main event. Starting things off with the main event. All right, main event, obviously, Packers talk here. We had a, a, a clinching game here. We clinched the division a little while back. Packers now clinch the one seed, which means it's going to be all love next week, baby. All love. <laughs> right. Right. Well, at least we hope so. I mean, R- rumor has it that uh, all the starters want to play next week. And uh, I guess we'll see. There's some credence to that one, too, about not taking two weeks off uh, with the bye now that they've earned and maybe getting some playing time against Detroit. But, uh, yeah, it might be it might be the love boil uh, showcase that we have all dreamt of. <laughs> exactly. My favorite bit um, this this week that I was tweeting out as well was the um, with Juwan Winfrey in the game, we had the uh, the Winfrey love connection. 
which sounds like you know, a, a terrible game show well, where everybody goes home with some sort of uh, VD or something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it, sounds tra- like a, it sounds like a band that opened for Cool and the Gang back in 78 at the old Met Center. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I don't know. All, all I know is that Chuck Woolery would have been uh, uh, part of the uh, the get-together on that one. So Yes. <laughs> we did actually have a um, Love to Win Free Pass this last week that uh, I believe resulted in a first down. I'm trying to remember exactly how. I think it was a first down pass, too. But yeah, yes. you know, the game itself basically was kind of never in doubt my brother called a dagger on this one i believe at 20 to nothing and he wasn't wrong just you know he's got to stop doing that basically (laughs) we're like it's too early to say that out loud you know like just knock on wood you know please just knock on wood um but yeah no this with Mannion out there um and and collinsworth is just the worst he is he is just out there rooting for specific storylines and a good game and it was not going to be a good game and at one point he was talking he was like yeah we have to get out there and free manion and they're like oh start the hashtag i was like i will start that hashtag i i'm glad that i turn off the uh nbc <laughs> broadcast and uh, just listen to uh, uh listen to wayne and larry for the entire game because i i could I, I tweeted it with about 30 seconds left in the first half I, at right after the uh Devonte adams was it Devonte adams touchdown it's when they went up yep. twenty nothing, right? Yeah. Yep. And I said, "Oh, great! Here's this. Here's the second half of uh, old Chris Collins were spinning yarns and uh, pushing some uh, pushing some uh, storyline that we we didn't need to know that existed." Right. Uh, they 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 stuck with a lot of John Madden stories, which actually made it decent to listen to. So that was to- tolerable at best. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it it made it uh, uh, at least, like you said, a little uh, more acceptable if you want to put it that way and I, to be honest i was not the the biggest john madden fan because so much of the stuff he said was just weird filler that i was like well, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what's going on here like why is he circling people's butts like grown mm-hmm. man's butts what's happening here um you but, can you can only talk about nate newton's butt sweat so so many times yeah and yeah. Uh, but there's the thing is like I, I heard on several things here, and it's coming back to think about it too. The number of times he said, "We talked to so and so in our meetings," and I remember they said this about this guy, and they said this about this guy, and this and that. Collinsworth doesn't do any of that stuff. Like he's given three talking points to start off the game, and then he just sticks with them even when they don't even work anymore. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. But let's talk about the game because well, the game was way more fun than that. I mean, we'll, we'll have to get back. We'll have fun. to get back to Madden later because I want to defend him a little bit because we did catch him at the end of his career and uh, yeah. some of that stuff that seems silly now and the telestrator and uh, explaining things that don't need to happen and when this guy runs the ball he goes faster, you know that stuff. Like that was, you know, that seems silly and oafish, like towards the end of his career, but that didn't exist before John Madden. He's the one that made football accessible to, he made, that's well, why broadcast football is what broadcast football. Well, is. he was there it's because as of John Madden. Football got bigger as a TV game too. I, I mean, I, that's I, I, the, the I highly thing. recommend watching the documentary they aired. I don't know if you guys caught I'm, that uh, I'm not uh, over to. Thanksgiving. Um, it's Christmas because I, they I, advertise oh, it, it forever. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that I thought it was it was really interesting because, yeah, I thought some of his, you know, boom and all that stuff got old. But the fact that he taught classes on coaching football and he especially went to women to teach classes back in the early 80s when he didn't find that many women in sports to teach them, you know, the ins and outs of of, of football. So I thought it was pretty interesting. And by the way, he was born in Austin, Minnesota, my hometown. Right. So. I give him that. Oh wow! How about that? Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. The biggest thing is just <laughs> there was a moment in this game which was just the greatest. Where it, it, what I mean, what ended up being the end of the game too was that the leading rusher for Minnesota was Sean Mannion. He outrushed Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um. Dalvin Cook the... couldn't get anywhere out there. How many? The, how the, many the... attempts did even Dalvin Cook have? Because it, it seems nine. like yeah. My lord, nine, I mean, nine, nine for thirteen, and at one point Garrett Bradbury had the uh, had yes. the uh, longest reception of the game too for the Vikings. That, it just yes. seemed, seemed like Clint Kubiak came in with just one of the worst offensive game plans with a backup quarterback who was just coming off the COVID list. Well, I, this I was, just the fact that you sh- you know yeah. didn't feed Delvin Cook the ball, you know every down almost. 
that it just blew my mind, you know, and against a, against a defense that just got torched by Nick Chubb the week earlier, oh. who, who isn't as good as Delvin cook. I Nick Chubb's very good. Delvin cooks an, an amazing running back. And yeah, let's just shelf this guy for the whole game. Well, who the, I, the Browns were starting. Uh, they were missing their starting center and their starting left tackle against the Packers and are still a better line off. than the Vikings have right now though. Yeah, so yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, the biggest things too is like, it was a weird coaching decision all around for for him. I love there was one moment where they even did the like, he's from the Bill Parcells coaching tree. These are the things he said Bill Parcells taught him, and one of them is like, you, those closest to you will disappoint you and stuff. I was like, right, like your kid, <laughs> like your kid, because uh, you <laughs> hired your own son to coach the defense badly. I mean, this defense. This Vikings defense, which was like the one thing they've always hung their hat on, um, was bad. They were bad in this game. Um, like we ran all over them. Both running backs found room to run out there. Dylan yep. and Jones both found plenty of room to run out there, and nobody stopped anything that Rodgers was going to do. Uh, it just they looked bad. I- and and you know Jones was Jones was being showtime in the first half, and he had a couple nice runs, caught a caught a couple uh, small creases, and turned them into big runs too. But uh, Dylan just turned into the soul stealer. He 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 tore the heart out of that Minnesota team as the game went along. I mean that which one was it? The first or second touchdown run where initial contact was at the seven, and he drugged the entire Minnesota defense with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. into the end zone it was and and he was i mean the the offensive line got a good push that got him the first couple of yards but he literally just pushed that entire pile into that vaunted viking defense into a pile into the end zone it was as if they didn't want him to stop like they it was it was it was it was crushing it was I absolutely think it, it was fun to watch I think it was a great preview of what you probably are going to see throughout the playoffs in Green Bay if the weather keeps, you know, if the weather is like it was on Sunday night with, you know, splitting, splitting carries, uh, Rogers still doing what he's doing. But if you have those two running backs back there, it's going to be very tough on opposing defenses to stop. I mean, it it was a lot of fun to watch. And, 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 and on top of, uh, you know, it, it remind and you're right up, and you're right about the cold weather games. On top of him wearing bibbed overalls to the game and nothing else, and then also <laughs> wearing them to his post game interviews indoors and outdoors. Obviously, the dude's okay with the cold, but I mean, let's let's think back to his coming out game last year against the Tennessee Titans. That was was that, that was Tennessee, right? Where it was him against yep. King yep. Henry, and yep. that was a cold weather game at Lambeau, and it kind of set up like this game where. It was Aaron Jones in the first half. We saw Dylan in the first half too, but I I don't have the splits in front of me. But it was what eighty six yards and two touchdowns. I want to say sixty six of those yards came in the second half. And just like the Tennessee game, like he wasn't really a factor in the game until the second half. And then as the other defense wore down, you just kept pounding him and pounding him and pounding him. And he does well in cold weather. And because of his size, when everybody else is slipping and falling around, he's getting his cleats dug into the dirt. And that man, that man's got some strength and that guy's got some size. And having listened uh, mostly out of schadenfreude to the opposing uh, radio stations today, (laughs) um, all of them even mentioned that any, anybody who's at the game, uh, the Ben Liebers of the world who I love Ben Lieber, uh, from the Minnesota broadcast. He's a very good, um, uh, football mind, but even he, he was talking about that. Like, yeah, when he got a 260 pound running back, just slamming it down the middle, you could just tell nobody wanted, nobody wanted any part of it anymore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, he'll be, he's, he is oh. our, uh, um, uh, Henry. no, He's our James. He he's this generation's James Starks. He's here to save the day and run us to the Super yeah. Bowl. Well, I think it also <laughs> opens up what you can do with Jones in the slot, with the jet sweeps, and then also in the passing game. I mean, what he? I'm looking. He had five catches for 30 yards. Jones did. So I mean, you put those. And I've seen throughout the season that that Lafleur has lined up both of them in the backfield at the same time. Yep. I I, I just think it's a it's a to have those you know, two types of running backs. And I remember I knocked, you know, Gudukun's 
quite a bit when they selected Dylan in the second round. And then last year they re-signed Jones. I'm like, you know, thinking, why are you doing this? You've already, you know, you got Dylan, you know, you're running back the future, but apparently him and LaFleur are on the same page and they've got two really good running backs going into now you've got a home field advantage, you know, possibly throughout the, well, obviously throughout the playoffs, if they, they win their games that in, in a, you know, bad weather market. So I think it's going to be just a, the offense is going to be a lot of fun. Now the defense, well, we'll, we'll have to see on that. Yeah. Right. Be interesting. And, uh, and a good, good follow on Twitter that John probably hates uh, Eli Berkovitz. I'm sure you hate him for some reason, John, cause I no. like him uh, has, has a lot of good film breakdown at, throughout the week too. And he was showing that what you were just talking about, Jim, with the, the two running backs in the backfield, plus, you know, a crossing wide receiver. And then, you know, you've got motion, you got misdirection, and you've got someone going up the middle and then Rogers drops back and there's a, there's a 10 yard by 10 yard window right across the middle, 10 yards deep to Alan Lazard for an easy throw and catch. And yeah. so that kind of misdirection and that kind of movement, since you have to respect both those backs and, uh, and the, and the motioning wide receiver too, um, is opening up some of those, some of those windows wide open for a guy well, who doesn't miss that often. It's interesting you bring that up. It seems like Lafleur at the start of the season didn't do a lot of that, you know, motion. No, I mean he just didn't, and now he's doing it more now. And you know their offense is they're on a run, and it's pretty you know darn impressive. And Rodgers is playing really well, fractured toe or whatever he you know has is you know <laughs> it's he doesn't like under in McCarthy's offense where he had to hope for his his wide receivers to win one on one battles. This offense is designed to open up receivers and not ha- ask, you know, it's about the scheme instead of the player. You're and right. I think, I mean, Lazard had six catches for 72 yards. I mean, that says a lot, too. And the yeah. tight ends are running free, too. I mean, DeGuar should have had a, a touchdown, no problem. Yeah. Was that the second, first, second drive? Uh, that one right over the middle should have caught that one. And there's other times, too, where if a wide receiver's, I mean, Devonta Adams, uh, unbelievable talent. Right. One of the, be- I mean, it said right at the beginning, PFF rated one out of 180 wide receivers. You know, he is. <laughs> and uh, so the dude gets open no matter what. But I mean, especially in this offense, and Lazard's getting open, and tight ends are running open. They are open and they are moving in the open field. And it's, uh, it's just, it's like I said, it's magic. Mad- right now they have inexperienced tight ends. That's outside of um, uh, old man, L- Lewis, uh, yeah, Mercedes, Mercedes. Lewis. Mercedes Lewis, but he's not, he's, he, we all know what he's there for. Um, but the younger, Steel I mean, you souls. saw the, you saw the tight ends getting involved last night again, too. And that's, that's, that's key. So sorry, well, John, we just kind of shut you down there for a little bit. I'm totally fine with that. Here's the thing I would say is <laughs> like, like Jim was talking about earlier, like the, the, the scheming to get people open is, is so underrated in terms of the fact that we now have the first coach to start a career with 13 wins in three straight seasons um and and Seifert was the guy who's next in that with 38 um 38 mm-hmm. wins in three seasons and he took over from bill walsh after a super bowl right. i believe right um or at least yeah. around a super bowl and then won one himself but it's like okay i mean well, this was not he, a playoff team the year before that we had him you know and there were some big play there were big moves that they did to to shore up that defense, but how is it in three years? I mean, he better get coach of the year this year. He's been the best coach in football for three years. I've seen a lot of talk about Titans coach Mike Vrabel getting the uh, coach of the year. Which oh, garbage? Come on. Uh, he's Malarkey, done a great job, but... Malarkey had already turned around that. Fr- I mean, that was that was another string I was on too. Is that some wackadoo Titans fan actually had to take down a whole bunch of his posts I did because he was putting up the, the Titans were 13 and 34 prior to Vrabel getting there. And that's a bald face. Like he was corrected by uh, a four-time Tennessee sports writer of the year. Um, I can't remember the lady's name, like right on the spot. Like, no, like they were nine and seven, the two years prior to Vrabel being there. And the only reason why they Malarkey had a bad record is because he inherited a terrible team that was three and 13 his first year. And then they were nine and seven, the two years after that. I mean, Lafleur is going to Lafleur is going to get the Belichick treatment here, you know, because honestly, like the person who uh, who Lafleur should be up against for coach of the year would be Belichick, who <laughs> overhauled his entire team in two years and has them in playoff contention. But Belichick will never get another coach of the year award because right. it's Belichick. 
You know, it's like you during LeBron's run, you could have given him MVP of the NBA for nine straight years in a row, and they just stopped giving him the MVP because you had to give to somebody else at some point. Yeah. Well, I, I think they, I think people forget too is is what Lafleur's done from the start of training camp to where we are right now is the fact he had to deal with the Rogers situation, something that wasn't even his doing. He had to then his first game with the new defensive coordinator that was a hot topic about him, Joe Barry getting hired. He went in, adjusted. I mean, they they talked about, you know, LaFleur making comments to Barry during that game about having to you're either gonna have to play, you know, bring pressure or don't bring pressure. You gotta do one or the other. And now he's it seems like he's adjusted the special teams too. That I mean the last couple of weeks, knock on wood, they've played better than they were. So I mean, you got to give the guy credit for what he's done. Yeah, he's got Aaron Rodgers, who's arguably the best quarterback ever to play. But he had to get Rodgers to buy into a scheme, get him to show up. Then he had to deal with a first-time defense coordinator, which was a risky hire, and then also deal with the special teams issues. Yeah. Speaking speaking of that special teams, the only faux pas they really had was uh, uh, one shanked punt. Yeah. Yes. It was badly shanked, but didn't his really first, first one of the game after not practicing all week. And then after that, it wasn't <laughs> a problem anymore. We've got a return guy. Yeah. I don't even remember his name, but he's good. David, I'll take him. Let me, let me look and see what <laughs> yeah, his no, name it's, is. No, uh, it's David, um, David Moore. Moore. Yeah. David Moore. Straight off the CFL, just, right? Just had <laughs> no, the longest. No, he was, yeah. he was uh, I think he spent some time on some practice squads. I thought the Seahawks and the Broncos. They actually tried out a returner from the CFL, but they didn't sign him. That's what it was. Thank you, Jim. And they, okay. Yeah, and they signed David Moore instead, and who, you know, three punt or three returns for thirty-three yards. I'm looking at here, eleven yards per care uh, per uh, return. You know, and he looked comfortable, unlike you know uh, Amari Rogers. So I, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is, is like the other part of this is, um, man, people talk about how lucky the Packers are to have had two great Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row. The other thing is, Ron Wolf skip a spot for uh, Sherman, <laughs> Mike Sherman, <laughs> and then Thompson and Gutenkunst. Like three of the last four GMs have been top tier GMs. That's not something every NFL team gets. Um, and Gutenkunst, I mean, he is just magic. He picks up David Moore, instant success. He picks up uh, was it Tyler uh, Tyler Davis. Uh, the the, yeah. the last tight end, the kid out of Georgia yeah. Tech, who they found for nothing, and then of course Rasul Douglas. They got Devondre mm-hmm. Campbell, who nobody was looking for, and they said, "Yep, he's um he's the highest pro football rated linebacker in right. football." Who didn't go to a Pro Bowl for whatever reason because it's a popularity contest. But Campbell man, had himself a game last night too. Holy smokes, he was he did very I think well. He, he, he made every single tackle except for the one Rashawn Gary sack, right? Uh, <laughs> very close. I every think. tackle, right? He was on every tackle. I'm pretty sure. I think he tackled Bradbury too. Seven <laughs> tackles for him yesterday. Okay, well, yeah. maybe not all of them, but maybe seven. not all of them. Good. Yeah, uh, Preston's had a couple nice plays too. Great, um, great comeback. Preston, had a, Preston, Preston had a great game. I, yeah, I thought he played outstanding. I mean, you know, uh, what did uh, uh, Rashad? Uh, what? I can't think I'm having a brain fart here. Um, Rashawn Gary oh, yeah, yeah. had what two sacks, but Preston mm-hmm. had, uh, I'm sorry. He had uh, one sack, but mm-hmm. Preston had one too. And, you know, I thought he brought a lot of pressure. I thought, you know, for somebody who looked like he was going to get cut after last year, I think he's had oh. a really solid season. No, absolutely too. And I was just going to say, how about that narrative? Um, Zadarius Smith, who was the favorite Smith of the two of them all the way through the end of last season. And yeah, like you just said, Preston looked like he played himself out of a position last year. Like he was on everybody's S list. Like, like let's get him out of town and keep Zadarius. Now Zadarius, you know, injured, strung fans along, like I'll be back. I'll be, you know, it's whatever, you know, but I've, I've noticed that there's a lot of now it's, you know, I've seen it quite a bit like, Hey, we need to bring Preston Smith back next year and let Zedaria Smith walk with a bigger contract and find out what Z if he's healthy too. Right. I mean, I mean, you can't, but I'm just saying that that's a, that's a crazy narrative that from what Jim was just saying, like Preston was at the end of last year, we, we wanted him. Oh, we all wanted him gone. Preston's having himself a season. 
he had himself a game last night. He's been playing well. Yeah. And he he and Rashawn Gary are turning into quite a pair. They really are. So absolutely. Yeah. It's been uh been this it's been a great year so far. That was a great win to get. And uh now we're going to have the um <laughs> like we said, the Tim Boyle and Jordan Love show going on next week. And mm-hmm. uh almost certainly I'd like Maybe they'll start some starters for a while. I don't think they'll leave them in for very long because the game doesn't mean anything. The Packers are the one seed. You maybe want to get them out there just so they get going. But, of course, this team skipped the preseason, too. Um, yep. So who knows? I mean, that worked out very, very badly for them, but they don't remember that, I bet. Right. And, uh, hey, John and Jim, hey, what do the Packers and the Vikings have in common this week? <laughs> I don't know. Aaron. Neither has anything to play for. Anyhow. <laughs> um, so Vikings uh, and but, Bears. But but maybe maybe they did learn something, learn a little something from the from the preseason uh about because because I've seen that a couple times today, mentions of you know, Rogers alluded to it in his post game last night, as did Devontae about, you know, having that bye week in the playoffs now that week one bye. Do you take two weeks off? Um and how rusty is that? Plus, there's a couple things on the line. Uh, Devontae's, what, 30-some-odd yards short of breaking the season record for the Packers that Jordy Nelson holds. Yeah. He he already uh, ha- broke his own receptions record. Broke the receptions record. He He's behind Jordy for yards. Um, and Rodgers hasn't topped 4,000 yards yet. Yeah. So there's a couple Maybe. things there. I mean, some, I mean, there's stats. These are these are some statistics, and they are numbers. But uh, I mean, these guys have egos too. And um, you know, as much as I'd like to say, uh, sit them down, rest them, get them better too. Just like shut the whole thing down, backups, backups, backups. Which I think we will see. I am I am not too massively opposed to seeing some limited time, at least that game time warm up. You know, the rhythm up to the game, series or two. Just to keep that going, as they just you know yeah. shut the whole thing down, you know there and sweats the whole time to kind of keep that strength. Because I mean, it, we've seen it enough times in NFL history. We've seen it just in the Packers' last Super Bowl. You know those it, the teams that have to are that are constantly playing for their playoff lives up to week seventeen, week eighteen. Now get into the playoffs, have that have to win on the road, like you know, and you know, yeah. Sometimes the I, best I, teams. It, it, it bit the Packers in the butt last. They didn't, you know, last year too. Have being the number one overall team. You know, there's something about getting that week off. Yeah, it's nice to get healthy. Uh, the 15 and one Packers season, they had a bye week and they got smoked by the Giants. Um, they lost the Chiefs. Oh yeah, the the, the Giants came that year. Yeah, yeah, okay. the year after the Super Bowl when um, I was Philbin thinking about the Sun, one loss when Philbin Sun. Yeah, when Phil, the 15 and one year yeah. when Philbin Sun died too. That has something to do with it too. But yeah. like. I, 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 I think there's some real credence and it goes right into that. Just what you're talking about with the preseason stuff too. And yeah, they came out flat against the saints in week one. And I think maybe they did learn a lesson. Like we can't just shut her down the only and, then per- and then switch it back on come week two of the playoffs. I think the only difference is, is with Rogers fractured toe. I, I don't know if you want to, you know, I know he's, he looked good. He looked really good last night, obviously. And I didn't see any limping or anything like that. I just, I, I don't know any if there's any benefit of you know. Yes. He hasn't thrown a he hasn't thrown an interception since he fractured it. I kind of liken it to I kind of liken it to Brett Favre. Brett Favre always played like crap until he took one good hit, and then he always played well after that. You know, you had to get the <laughs> the record would be skipping. You just had to knock the needle to get it onto the next groove to get the song going. Yeah. All right. Well, so yeah, next week. Nothing really to play for. We'll see what goes on there. But the other, there, there actually was another football game in Wisconsin this week. So we did have the Badgers playing in the Las Vegas Bowl. It was the SRS Transport or whatever. And uh, yeah, that game got closer than it should have because the Badgers were by far the more talented <laughs> team on that field. Uh, and then you know, the second half was just so weird. Like the Badgers just, they were throwing well, they were running well. And then. When the second half started, they just decided they were only going to run, it seemed. And then they got one first down. So it was a five-play, then punt, then three plays, then punt, then three plays, then punt. And then it was a one-score game. And the Badgers got the ball. I believe it was 9.56 left in the game. And then mm-hmm. just ran out the clock. It was, it was unbelievable. It's the most Wisconsin Badgers way to end a game. And the biggest thing is they did some play action. They let Mertz throw. 
and he completed them very well. Like, Mertz had a very good game. I mean, he's not the MVP by any stretch because, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a 17-year-old guy toting the <laughs> ball out there, and uh, he was just murdering people. And he was just – he's a grown man. He was killing it out there. Uh, it was – Oh, is that is is that the grandson of uh, Barry Alvarez? Nope. <laughs> No, no, that guy. Okay. That guy had a nice game, but he hurt his knee and was out. The Barry, Alvarez, Barry, Barry Alvarez has a grandson on the team. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know that. that? It might yeah. be Mertz. I can't remember which guy it is. No. Did you guys know no. that Jimmy Graham played basketball? Oh my goodness, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. At Miami, yeah, crazy. I, that's what I heard. <laughs> what? I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. So, it, yeah, the biggest part is just you know they got up big. They were playing a very balanced offense. The, the hardest part for the defense was that Arizona had a very mobile quarterback. And it, it was one of those ones where uh, Leo Chanel really thought he was kind of faster than he was um, because they set him up to spy after a couple series and he would come at him and then he would take this horrible angle like he was going to sack him on the play. And then of course, the guy, this guy just sped up and ran around him. You're like, follow him down the line and force him to take a long run. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Just yeah. go straight down the line. Because he's going to outrun quarterback you. Got a lot of got a lot of rushing yards. He shouldn't have in the first half of that game. Yeah, because the, Chanel took some bad lines there. That's not the tape you wanted going into the draft. Which, by the way, he's going to do now. Uh, he's announced he's mm-hmm. going to the NFL, which he should. Um, Who is Leo Chanel? Oh, so, is he? I, yeah, he I announced he it this might afternoon stay for another year. Wow. No, uh, he just announced it this afternoon. Um, I mean, he wow. really should. It's he's ready. Um, but that was not the tape he wanted to put out there. It was, you know, he might be one guy too who they're probably not going to play at inside backer. He probably projects more to an outside backer uh, in a three-four, more of a pass rush kind of guy, an edge. Um, so he had a, he had a lot of sacks this year, and I know really the knock did. on him is his drop back into coverage. Yeah. So maybe going down and uh, and playing an outside linebacker in a three-four would fit him well. And yeah. you know he he obviously with his blitzing and the sacks that he's had that I thought he had a really strong year. Sanborn I think is really underrated. I I just think That's he's a, very good inside linebacker. Obviously, I don't think he has the same skill Chanel has, but I. I think he's just not just as good, but he's just a step below. And I think that's that will be interesting going into next season is who they replace those two with now that Chanel said he's going into the NFL draft. I mean, uh, the Reds left kid from Rosemont, Minnesota. I think he's got a chance, <laughs> and they've got a couple other guys that, that should. It'll be an interesting to see what this team looks like in 2022. I mean, offensively, obviously, but also defensively. Yeah, I think offense is more set because Mertz is not going anywhere, and yeah. um, and Allen can't. So that's that's kind of where they are there. They're going to lose Danny Davis. They still have um, they're still going to have Shamar DK. They're still going to have Skyler. I'm forgetting his last name. And they're also going to have yeah Bell. That's right. And um, oh, I'm forgetting the other. There's this the sophomore who had a Marcus. Uh, oh, Marcus, Marcus Allen. Marcus I Allen. I don't know yeah. how you can forget the name Marcus Allen, but I just did. Yeah, Marcus Allen with a K. Not yes, you know, the K I remember. Um, he's he's looked fairly solid too, and if they can, oh, and they lose Ferguson, right? Alvarez's legitimate grandson. <laughs> oh. He plays on the team. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. Wow. And um, that, there's a couple oh, guys ahead. they have in that, like Clay Condef and a couple other guys in that tight end spot that'll be okay. Kind of got hurt this year, late in the year, but they've got a couple guys that are going to be interesting. Um, Lyles is still there, I believe, although his brother left. Uh, so, yeah, that'll, that should be okay. I think the biggest thing, too, is Mertz seemed to really settle into the system this year as the season went on. Early in the season, you could tell they were really kind of dumbing down the playbook for a little bit early on. But in this game, they were running the full playbook. They really were. Uh, all the, the shifting and everything that they were used to doing, they weren't doing it earlier in the year, and they had it all back over the last four or five games. So I, I got a feeling that everyone thinks that he's he's got a grasp on everything now, that he's ready to start playing, get him another spring game, um, and get him you know some more time where he doesn't have to have, you know, just missing so much time with COVID stuff like he did last year. So It'll, I, I feel well, decent I about it. I think you're going to lead into another big loss that was announced today, too. Right. Um, uh, Joseph Rudolph, or Joe Rudolph, uh, leaving the team. Uh, he's going to it's West Virginia, right? No, Vatek. Virgin Tech. Tech, I'm sorry. Um, and he's going to be going, so he was announcing that today as well. 
Um, a lot of people had a lot of problems with uh, with Ru- Rudolph over the last year or two, uh, but I'll tell you, none of them were the guys who played for him. Uh, the linemen in this team have loved him. I saw that. I think who was saying that today? It might have been Heller was talking about that today too. Um, he's made some very good linemen. He's coached a lot of good linemen. Uh, one of the talks that we've I've heard from a lot of people who know a lot in Wisconsin is that Ballstead's really the guy who's been the best at getting the offensive linemen ready. He was moved inside backers away from the linemen, and over the last year or two, the Wisconsin line has not been the standard we used to have. They're still better than just you know they're better than that Arizona line. Uh, they're better than most other lines out there. But yeah, it's um. Well, I think it's like a big loss that. too for recruiting. I mean, they they He's said that recruiter. Rudolph was one of the you know a lot of times with these kids that you know Wisconsin offensive lineman, which is you know the backbone of this program, you know, was because of his recruiting the state and, you know, losing that will be a big deal. I think that's, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do this. Obviously with Bolstead, you said shifting from inside linebacker to offensive line coach, or does Chris finally bring an offensive coordinator in from the outside who's also offensive line coach slash coordinator, or does he do quarterbacks coach slash offensive coordinator? Or does Chris, and he's been known to be very stubborn, stick with <laughs> what he's doing and, and keep, you know, the play calling and coaching the quarterbacks. I think that'll be quite interesting to see what happened. I've heard Scott Tolzien's name mentioned. He's an analyst for the Cow- Cowboys. If he bring him back, you know, it, it's my only gripe on this. And I understand the Wisconsin way, but okay. it seems like at times, and I know he brought in Gary Brown as his running backs coach, Elvis Witted uh, as his wide receivers coach, but he seems pretty intent on keeping either former players, bringing them in as coaches or people that have Wisconsin ties. And I think maybe, and you know, I'll probably get strung up on by saying this is <laughs> bringing out, you know, an outside voice with some different ideas. And I'm not talking about shifting Wisconsin into a, a spread offense type thing, but, bringing in somebody that runs a similar style, but still, you know, brings in a couple different wrinkles than, you know, a a jet sweep to Jack Dunn. I mean, that's just, you know, it's, that's just, I just, I would like to see something a little different. How about an offense like the Packers? (laughs) Well, I, I I was going to write a deal on, uh, about uh, the wide receivers coach who, uh, is a former quarterback, uh, Vrabel, I think is his name, Jason Vrabel. Uh, you know, bringing somebody like him in who, you know, has some college coaching experience and has been with LaFleur for a couple of years now. And, you know, there's probably a good chance he might get a promotion too, because it sounds like uh, uh, the, oh, Stenovich might get a promotion as an offensive coordinator. Nathaniel Hackett is getting interviews with uh, NFL team for head coaching. So maybe he gets promoted anyways, but I don't know. It's, they, they've got a lot of talent at Wisconsin and I'd like to, you know, you've got great pieces in Braylon Edward, uh, Braylon Allen, <laughs> yeah. and you've got uh, a quarterback who might, you know, benefit from an uh, offensive coordinator who has a quarterback uh, background. So maybe Scott Tolzien's the guy, I don't know. Yeah, I worry about becoming Nebraska in that regard and like, well, let's just bring in some guy we knew who won games for us and that should be good enough, right? Yeah, having Scott Frost and then losing every recruiting battle you ever have and then watching everybody, you know, leave once you don't win because that's what's happening in Nebraska. But yeah, it's... it's I just think that at times that, I mean, you look at like, and I understand it's the NFL, the success that LaFleur's had. I remember when he hired, you know, put his staff together. I'm like, God, does he have any connection? Who are these guys? But he brought in other guys who, you know, brought in other ideas. He'd never worked with Nathaniel Hackett before. He didn't work with Luke Getze, who's the uh, quarterback coach. I don't think he just got a recommendation with Stenovich. He was with the Niners under Shanahan. So I just, this idea that, like, I know I can't pronounce Ross, the defensive line coach now he was promoted as you know from the strength coach the defensive line coach you know and obviously you know they kid big with with jimmy leonard at you know defensive coordinator but you know it's not a bad idea to bring in people from a different background to bring in different ideas and i think at times chris offense looked stale 
and it struggled at times and a lot of it had to do with Mertz and it just it would be kind of nice to have somebody and I don't know if technically you know Polzine's part of the family and you know it's I don't know. It'll be interesting because I think they can only hire, what, nine assistants. So now they have one opening with Rudolph leaving for Virginia Tech. Why that special teams coordinator is still the special teams coordinator with Wisconsin, I think that's his only responsibility. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you could open up something there. The Bobby, I think it's Bobby April. I think his dad was the special teams coordinator, would probably – you know, if they move Bolstad, the offensive line coach, he'll take over all the linebackers. So will that hurt, you know, their linebackers, Wisconsin linebacker play has been phenomenal the last couple of years, outside and inside. So right. you want to rock the boat by doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and how long Chris will actually wait to do this because he's known to sit on his hands for a while until he makes. Yeah, we'll have to see too, I guess, kind of what, what looks available. There's a couple – I'm just looking at some names, trying to find quarterback coaches who might be looking to move up to OC. Guys like um, Matt Weiss at Michigan. Um, Clemson has Brandon Streeter. Uh, Let's see. Iowa State, Joel Gordon. Iowa State's put together some decent quarterback play from guys who are not going to the NFL, and uh, that could be interesting to look at too. There's gonna be. I don't know if any of those will be names they'll even look at, but. I'm sure Tolzien will be on a list somewhere because he's he's earned the right to at least be in the room, but I don't know. We'll have to see where that goes. Well, and they defensively, what they're replacing both safeties and I think both cornerbacks because what's it? Uh, right, Fan Hicks is leaving and um, yeah. Caesar, Caesar Williams. Williams. Yep. So yeah, that'll be it. It was a lot of guys who came back for this season, and uh, it. Didn't go the way they'd wanted that one to go. That's for sure. But it's uh, it's it's going to be reloading on that defense. Uh, but you kind of trust in in building that they have there, and a lot of the guys they've been recruiting in that defensive side could still be very interesting going forward. So I still feel pretty good. Um, yeah, I think they still got a lot oh, of talent on that side. Super super deep. I mean, uh, yeah. the the Wollers kid isn't he? He's a Wisconsin kid. What's he? Muskego. Isn't I that, think so. Muskego's put together a lot of good players the last couple of years. Yeah, he was a four-star recruit. So, I mean, he could step in at one of the state safeties with the, tor- how do you pronounce the, John, the other safety, number 15. Oh, Torchio? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he saw quite a bit of time this year. So, I mean, you get those two at safety, and the biggest thing will be corners. Uh, Evan Ingram will probably be one of the starters. I don't know about on the other side. And, you know, the Herbert Herbig. He, Herbie's so good. You know, I thought he might be undersized as an outside linebacker, but he's phenomenal. I mean, he was he pushing just, that left tackle around like nothing. It was just insane to watch him going there. Yeah, I love my favorite joke about him is like only Wisconsin could go into Hawaii and recruit a kid named Nick Herbig. <laughs> <laughs> well, his his brother is an offense starting offensive lineman for the Eagles. I see. So oh. he's a guard. So it's kind of interesting that the bloodline, but it, Wisconsin's an interesting t- I see they brought in a kicker as a, a, a transfer. transfer yeah. So that'll be interesting to see too, that if uh, the well, kid who they had kicking for him, I thought did a nice job, but he doesn't have that strong of a leg. So. I think everyone is also going to be very excited that uh, Logan Brown will be starting next year. Almost certainly. Um, Bordellini got some play at the end of the year at uh, the other tackle. Um, he's, Redshirt freshman as well. Well, Logan runs redshirt sophomore. Uh, they got some depth on that front line. Tip, oh. Tipman had a lot of playing time this year. They will be losing Logan Bruss, uh, Tyler Beach, and Seltzner off that uh, front end, but they still oh. got plenty of names up there that's going to be pretty good. Logan Brown at left tackle, the Ricci kid, um, Nolan, yeah. the other, the brother of the tight end. I, he's, right. I would imagine he's going to get a look at that right tackle. Jack Nelson's only, what, a sophomore? The tipping kid played a, did a nice job at center, and I don't know who the right guard is, so I think he's he's leaving. But they're well, so no, Jack deep Nelson, at offensive line. Jack Nelson, redshirt freshman at that right guard spot this year, so yeah. Oh, is it right guard? Okay, yeah. I thought he was at left. But, Travian uh, Blaylock. Look at some of these guys on the defense, too. Um, I don't, we'll see what happens with – well, no, Chanel's a redshirt senior, so he's gone uh, – there's Sanborn, Jack Sanborn, Richard Sr. He's gone. Chanel's gone. 
Nora Burks is gone. So Herbig and then Spencer Lytle. And then we'll be looking at uh, Mike Mascalunas and Tatum Grass and some guys like that. And we'll see who else steps up. Torchio. Well, that, that, yeah. that outside linebacker, the depth is really good. The kid from Minnesota, Caden Johnson. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Peterson kid from Ohio State who saw some time uh, yeah. in the rotation. Lytle, like you said. Uh, watch out for the Rats laugh. Retz, Retzlaff, I think is pronounced, okay. Jake Retzlaff from Rosemount, who uh, was supposed to play hockey at the University of Minnesota and then <laughs> unbelievable football player that uh, decided to go play football in Wisconsin. He's an inside linebacker who, you know, depending on how he progresses, should see some time next year. So uh, yeah. the big thing is, you know, is, you know, the wild card, obviously, besides coaching staff, you're going to see with uh, uh, Mertz's development. I mean, yeah. can he That's kind the of build thing. off of, you know, what he did at late in the season, not counting the University of Minnesota game, but well, I think having know, he, having the the continuity at running back, you know, you know who's going to be there every game is going to help out a bunch because we they were so much shifting there early in the season hurt a lot, um, but yeah, hopefully he he makes a step forward, but. For well, the they're running back, they're running back. I mean, Allen obviously is number one. Uh, Ches Malucci should return, I think, from his injury by next year. And then uh, Julius Davis finally saw some action late in the season. Yeah. So they, they, you know, three beat the Shepler kid as their third down back. So, yeah, so that should be good. All right. Um, just take a couple minutes here. We'll go over Bucks before we go into our last call segment here. Um, Bucks coming into the new year, kind of like what Aaron has been saying. Right after Christmas, let's get back to it. Uh, but the Bucks, they did lose today, finally. But they did start looking like the team we were expecting to see. Uh, end of December, right after that Christmas win, uh, they came back after beating uh, the uh, Celtics, and they put 127 against the Magic, and then 136 against the Magic, and then another 136 uh, against the Pelicans. Those are teams you should beat up on, and they did. Uh, they they yeah. lost to the Pistons though inexplicably. Yeah, they, they they capped off that wonderful six game win streak that started two days before Christmas with a uh, loss to the lowly Pistons tonight, one fifteen to one hundred six. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to really look into what happened in that game, but I'd be interested to see what happened at the old Pfizer of tonight. Yeah, especially after, I mean, Giannis was three assists short of a, another triple double because he had one against the Pelicans, uh, and he's thirty one. 10 and 7 uh, today for points, rebounds, assists. Middleton puts up 10, get 29 from Holiday, and still lose. Uh, so that's rough. Uh, Grayson Allen, 5 points, 1 of 8. The team shot 23%, 23.9% from 3, while giving up 41.9 from 3. That's how you lose a game in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. But but they're still number 3 in the standings. They have the same amount of wins as the Bulls and the um the Nets, um, they, they're behind them uh, by two games just by games played. They still have a couple of games mm-hmm. uh, that they played that the, the other two teams haven't yet. So it, it's it, they're, they're doing fine. And you'll lose clunkers like this once in a while. It's an 82-game season. It's just like hockey. It's just like baseball. It's unlike football. One 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 game will not throw you off. And the Bucks are looking good. Giannis is playing well. They're finally getting healthy. Uh, showed a splash mountain. They pretty much have the 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 gang back together again now, um, and I, I figure you know it's just like I said. You know, it, will this be a one seed year? Maybe if they keep playing the way they have, you know, win six, lose one, win six, lose one. Um, but it, it, if they get in as a two three seed, I think we've I think we've learned that you know, and from the LeBron teams when he was playing with the Cavaliers, you know, and stuff like that, and uh, it, it just got you know, as long as you're in the top half of the teams going into the playoffs, that's all that really matters in yeah. the NBA. So, one hundred percent, keep everyone healthy, keep everyone <laughs> uh, sharp, keep everyone from you know getting being done for the rest of the year. So, yeah, absolutely. Giannis looking good, a uh, lot of good play going on out there. So it's just, you know, had a weird one today where just nobody was hitting anything, you know, and you get it for a team that shoots and relies on shooting as much as the Bucks kind of do. I mean, having Grayson Allen go one of eight, uh, it's, it's hard to, to replace the, the, you know, those seven missed shots uh, so quickly and easily. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, finding a way to, to stay up there. They're the third ranked team right now. Uh, and the like, Bulls are first, Bucks are third, Cleveland's fifth in the East, and that's the division is one, three, and five in one division there. So that's 
that's that's gonna be something to watch as we go down through the rest of this year. Uh, I don't know how much I believe in this Bulls team just yet, but uh, they're definitely hanging around for long enough at this point. Well, if DeMar DeRozan keeps hitting three-pointers to walk off shots at the end of games, you know. Yeah. I mean, wins are wins at this point. You just, they're, they're looking like a team that's going to get in, um, but I think the depth is that they're playing everything they've got every night, and the Bucks are kind of just getting to the playoffs because they know who they are. Uh, already so that's that's kind of where we are with that I'm, I'm gonna try to at this point i think we're gonna roll everything else that we have into our, our final segment here and try to make it a little quicker even though there's still plenty to cover but we're gonna wrap everything else up into the section we lovingly call our last call time to look around and get your bearings it's time for the last call all right, in our last call, I want to start off, and I'm sorry we're not giving it the maybe the the do it deserves, but uh, Badgers beat Purdue, number three ranked Purdue in men's basketball uh, today. That's huge. Today, huge. Huge. that game. This is where I was again very wrong, and I'll have another one in a moment here. But I was very wrong in this game, saying that this was not one the Badgers could win, uh, and the Badgers win uh, 74-69. So they get a five point win. Johnny Davis is is unreal, and you should all watch him this year because he's going to the NBA after this year. He puts up 37 in this game, 37 points in a game where his team scored 74. Uh, It was unreal, just an unreal play by him. Davison stepped in and hit a couple key threes, missed a couple other ones that really were a little questionable in terms of shot selection, but puts up a great game here. This, of course, follows the tremendous win over illinois state the redbirds where they they won uh, 89 to 85 the biggest surprise here too is purdue was averaging 80.4 points per game and they get 69 here uh this is an incredible win for wisconsin it's a key uh big time win in, in looking at this this is the first one they've played against a top 10 team this year um making the kind of comparisons that we were going over the badgers coming into this were one and one against top 25 they're now going to be two and one, one and zero oh against top ten. Marquette, on the other hand, actually was one and four against the top twenty-five, but one and one against the top ten with those games against Illinois and UCLA. Marquette drops a rough one this week, uh, losing to uh, Providence. Who? Oh no, I'm sorry. Providence is the one that's up next. They um, they didn't have a game this week, but they got Providence next. They actually had their one canceled. Providence previously beat Wisconsin. That was when Providence was unranked, but Providence is now the number 16 ranked team. And uh, they're coming up January 4th. They are 13-1. That team also kind of like Marquette. They don't score a ton, but they do stop teams from scoring. Um, So they score about 70 and give up about 60 every game. Um, Marquette, I keep trying to go through this whole thing and figure out why it is the Badgers are winning and Marquette isn't winning. Just the numbers don't make sense. Marquette has a higher shoot field goal percentage has a higher three-point percentage has a higher points per game and they do give up more points per game than the badgers do but i mean they get more blocks per game they get more rebounds per game it's more steals per game it's it's a weird sort of thing and uh some of it is just marquette has played up to now five different top 25 teams two of which were in the top 10 yeah i mean it just might be the subject of the fact that they have really had a hard time against much better opponents for the most part Although Wisconsin has played uh, Ohio State and now uh, Purdue, and now goes to two and one in the Big Ten, uh, and a full game up over Purdue uh, at this point, so that's kind of incredible to watch. Uh, in terms of, and, 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 go ahead. And I have to, br- I have to bring up too that that's uh, two wins against Mike Zimmer this week for the state of Wisconsin because Illinois State, of course, Mike Zimmer's alma mater. Oh, good. We got, we got to bring that up. Got to bring it Red up. Redbirds, no good. No good Redbirds. No uh, good Redbirds. In terms of hockey, uh, UW men, this is the other one where I was badly wrong. I think I predicted Providence or Yale. I think I said Yale would win this. Turns out Wisconsin was going to win the holiday face-off classic or whatever. Badgers beat uh, Yale 3-2 to on Tuesday uh, in overtime. Uh, overtime goal by Brock Caulfield. You all remember Cole Caulfield, his, uh, his brother. Brock is the older brother. Uh, he gets the overtime game-winning goal. On Wednesday, then they went out and played the 16th ranked Providence Friars. It was two to two, and then they go to the shootout. The shootout is crazy. Brock Caulfield, Parker Ford each get the the first shots, and then the next four shooters for each team failed. 
And then Zach Erdahl gets the goal, and Nick, I think, it's probably Poisson, but it looks like Poison. All right, like P O I S S O N. Stop churching it up, John. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just a crazy one there, but they get the goal six deep in the shootout and get the win. Uh, finally getting some play from some of the younger players. Corson Kulemens uh, is a freshman defenseman. Zach Erdahl, freshman forward. Uh, Matthew Desenfal, uh is a sophomore forward. bunch of them coming up big in the last recent set of games. Uh, it's been good to finally see some of the younger players step up, uh, help out Tarek Baker, uh, Tarek Baker and some of the you know, Brock Caulfield and some of those guys in these games too. Moving on, they will be playing number 17th ranked Ohio State coming up next week in Madison. They had a much better record at home, so this is one where they might be able to sneak a win against a a higher ranked team, uh, a Big Ten opponent as well. Uh, Women's hockey had games this week against uh, on New Year's Day and the day after against number four ranked Quinnipiac. They win 5-2 on uh, the first. Uh, The goals by Caitlin Schneider. Nicole LaMantia, Casey O'Brien, Delaney Drake, and Maddie Wheeler. Uh, on the next day, they went back out. They got a two, no, pardon me, a one-one tie in overtime. Uh, Sarah Wozniewicz getting the only goal for Wisconsin. UW remains the number one ranked team in the country. They will not play this week. Their next games will be on the fifteenth and sixteenth against the St. Thomas Tommies. <laughs> my two alma maters. No, two of my three, I guess. When do they play the Cobbers? I don't think they will. God willing, oh, they don't play a D3 team. <laughs> that's too bad. Uh, in uh, D3 men, uh, 13, well, the WIAC did not play any games this week. Uh, St. Norbert did get a 5 to nothing win over Lawrence. Uh, that's number 12 ranked St. Norbert. Uh, coming up this next week, uh, important games. Lawrence will be playing against number one ranked Adrian. Uh, St. Norbert will be playing against a number 11th ranked Aurora. So it'll be the 12th and 11th ranked teams. Minnesota, or pardon me, the Milwaukee School of Engineering will play Marion. Uh, Eau Claire will play Lawrence as well. Finlandia against Northland. Uh, and the fun one here, UWSP will be playing uh, in Minnesota this week. They'll be playing against the number fourth ranked Augsburg Augies and then against the Hamlin Pipers. Uh, in women's hockey uh, for W for D3, pardon me, uh, there weren't, again, like I said, any games in the WIAC. Upcoming, we'll see Aurora and Northland. Superior will be playing St. Benedict. St. Norbert will be playing the number three ranked Eau Claire Blue Golds. And the number five ranked uh, River Falls Falcons will be playing Concordia from Minnesota. So right now, number three ranked Eau Claire is 13-1-0. Number five ranked UW-River Falls is 10-1-0. Uh, they're trailing behind number one ranked Middlebury and number two ranked Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh and New York, they are 10 and 2. In terms of, for Aaron, wrestling, Wisconsin now ranked 15th overall. They are 4 0 in dual meets. Uh, they're right behind number 14, Minnesota, and right above 16th ranked Purdue, uh, who is 6 and 1. Uh, but this last week, they did have a an open. It's the Illinois Mat Men Open. They reached a team third in the open. There are over 20 teams represented there, including Purdue, Rutgers, Pitt, Penn, UVA, Illinois, Harvard. Uh, a couple pl- uh, wrestlers placed in this. Um, we've got Joseph Zarge uh, at 141, placed fourth. Austin Gomez at 149, places second. Garrett Modal places uh, at 157, places eighth. Dean Hamidi at 165, placed first. And Braxton Amos at 197 placed third. And Trent Hilger, the fifth-ranked wrestler in his weight class at 285, placed first in this meet. Uh, And going through the other ranks here, that Austin Gomez is ranked 11th at 149. And not wrestling in this one, apparently, but sixth-ranked in the country right now at 125, our favorite wrestler on this program, Eric Barnett. All right. Now that I've read it. How many of them have ringworm? That's what I want to know. Well, I can't believe any of them have escaped that. That seems impossible. <laughs> no, you you can get around COVID, but you can't get away from ringworm. Yeah, not really. Not in wrestling. I've never seen it happen. All right. Uh, now that I've rattled through all the, the kind of last-minute scores and everything there to get everybody caught up, uh, do we have anything either of you have, uh, kind of last-minute parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, a couple of Badgers things that I just uh, I thought of. Uh, Braylon Allen will be 19 years old when he's drafted into the NFL. 
think about that. <laughs> Good lord! Because I, I just because if he's seventeen now, he doesn't turn seventeen until the summer, right? Or eighteen till the summer, right? I think it's January. So January. Okay, so he might be twenty when he gets drafted. Barely twenty when he's drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chanel brothers, uh, Jimmy Leonard and Aaron Flodham, all played for the Lakeland Conference in Northern Wisconsin. I wanted to bring that up. And uh, uh, Badger alumni T.J. Watt. Uh, just recorded his 20th and a half sack for the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight. All right. So what's the record? 22 straight 22 hand and half? half? 22 and a half. 22 and a half. So he's two sacks off from getting the uh, NFL record. If he does on Twitter that he's actually at 21 and a half, but I might, somebody might. Oh, he, he might've gotten another one since then. I was, I've been sitting on that tweet for almost 20 minutes now. So I, I I know mean, that, everything I read on Twitter is true, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, one hundred percent. If you're only reading my stuff, I just want <laughs> yeah. to make sure. Uh, sorry, are you done, Aaron? I apologize. Yeah, that, that's all I had, Jim. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the only thing I've got to to mention on a personal note is my niece's boyfriend just signed his second professional football contract to play overseas for a team in the Czech Republic. Uh, Quinn oh, wow. Frizzell will be quarterbacking the Blades. I would try to pronounce the city that he's playing in but i would butcher it so uh, he played for austria last year uh the telfs patriots and next year he or this coming spring he will be uh playing for uh the czech republic in the czech republic for the team nicknamed the blades so congratulations quinn on that that's super cool we had a we had a kid from uh turtle lake who was a couple years older than me he uh went to winona state and for a while there, he held the college record for most punt returns for touchdowns. His name was Dave Ludi. He played a couple of years over in Europe. He had a t- he had the time of his life over there playing on some of those teams. There is a lot of kids over there right now, and and I've noticed that uh, if you guys ever uh, if you guys are big readers, uh, oh gosh, the, the lawyer who wrote all those books, uh, the famous lawyer um, or famous writer, I can't he the firm he wrote. Oh Grisham. Grisham. He wrote a book called Playing for Pizza, and it was a story about a backup, a third-string quarterback for the Cleveland Browns who ends up playing over in Italy. And it's mm-hmm. it's a really good book, and I actually gave that to Quinn years ago when he first started dating our niece, and uh, it actually kind of spawned <laughs> his interest in playing overseas. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a pretty cool thing, and it's really good football. But there's a ton of Mayak kids that play over there uh, – the All-American Jackson Erdman from St. John's University um, just signed with the team in Vienna. And uh, there's a lot of good football over in Europe, and, and they're giving an option to a lot of these kids. That's why I've always been a big fan of, like, the XFL and, and those leagues that are giving guys who actually can still play and are worth watching a chance to play football again. So. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Yeah, Thank no, you for that. And, and, it, and, and you're right, too. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you just don't hear about. You always hear about – uh, kids going and playing basketball over in Europe or going playing hockey in Russia or, you know, China, uh, basketball in China and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah there's, there's a pretty healthy, like, uh, what would you say, like club level football interest in, uh, in Europe right now. And it's, I've read a couple articles into it too. It's, 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 they, they don't have big stadiums and big crowds or anything like that, but it's, it's pretty fun. So it, it, it's exactly. actually, they, they started, there's uh, uh, some owners who started uh, it's, the European Football League, the EFL, uh, that have put a bunch of money behind it, and they're starting to play in bigger stadiums, soccer stadiums over there, and kind of regenerating what, uh, rejuvenating what uh, the NFL Europe did with the Ryan Fire and, and all these teams, and and they're going to start getting it's something to watch and some pretty good play, and you know, in the spring, if you're in, you know, if baseball's locked out, you can stream these games, and it's it's pretty. You got to watch them at weird times. I think Quinn's games over in Austria were at like six in the morning and things like that on a Saturday. But they're fun to watch, and it's it's you know it's like watching college football. It's it's really fun to watch, and these guys can play. So. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Thank you again, Jim, for joining us. It's always wonderful Thank to have you. you with us to to help out and correct us on whatever we're kind of messing around with. <laughs> But uh, thanks again. We'll definitely have Jim back. Obviously, he's he's generally been on our show a couple of times during football, at least. Uh, and we'll definitely have you back before we start drafting again. Well, but, hopefully, it'd be you know Super Bowl week when the Packers are playing. I, I was gonna say hopefully for a Super Bowl preview. Yeah, knock yeah. on wood. Knock on wood, everybody. All of you, touch wood. 
All right, everybody. Thank you again for joining us for another wonderful week of Wisconsin sports. Hopefully next week will be just as wonderful and fun for us. Um, we obviously will no longer have Badger football for quite a while now until we start talking spring ball and such. But uh, you remember, you can follow the show at Scotty Johnny Pod. You can follow me at not so humble host you can follow aaron at cheddar talk and you can follow jim at jim widener 54 and remember whether you were on the town pardon me 51 51 i'm so used to 54 is my number <laughs> jim widener 51 um but remember whether you are on the town or on the go it is always on wisconsin this has been the scotty johnny podcast remember to find the boys on twitter at scotty johnny one or online at scotty thanks for listening and on wisconsin